Today's show is packed with content. In fact, it took me an extra week to put it out than it was originally planned for because there is so much information in this episode and I wanted to make sure that I put it out at the beginning of the new year where you are feeling refreshed and motivated and you've put all of your kind of family time and vacation time behind you. Perhaps your kids are back in school and you have time to really listen to this episode. If you are a female in a male dominant industry, this episode is going to land very heavily for you. You are going to want to take notes. For the guys listening today, I would love for you to gain perspective from three women, including myself, Um, one of those was me, and um, three women who are highly motivated, who are incredibly capable, and who also had a hard time and still do have a hard time feeling like they have self-worth underneath sort of that male umbrella of male-dominant industries. And so um, hopefully this gives you a lot of perspective about a lot of different things as this episode goes into many different life categories. The two incredible women that I am interviewing today come from completely different backgrounds and have very different experience and came together to start a community for female entrepreneurs in the Phoenix, Arizona area and truly have brought together minds that are exploring and expanding what most of its members previously thought that they could accomplish and achieve. I am watching many businesses grow. I am watching women coming together in a way that is truly inspiring, and I can't wait to introduce you to the two people who put this together. Let's get started. Hey, this is Beandrine, formerly known as, oh, good Lord, we don't have time for that. This is My Self-Worth is a Size Zero, a podcast brought to you by Embolden Label. Here, you'll turn your negative inner dialogue into a goal-crushing identity. Let me ask you a question. When was the last time you let someone see you from the inside out? That's what I thought. I'm so excited today to have on the show two people that I've actually known a really long time. One, I've known since high school, which is exciting for me. Um, It's interesting when we talk about labels and we talk about how we kind of go through life and and tear out these negative belief systems about ourselves or add positive ones on. It's cool for me to interview someone I've known for a really long time because we've literally gotten to see each other grow up from a distance thanks to social media and things like that. Um, But even in the last year, I've watched both of you really like blossom with all the positive, amazing things you're doing. And not only are you doing amazing things in your own lives and Um, creating incredible businesses and creating important conversations and empowering the people around you, you've become emboldened in your businesses and you're also emboldening now a community of people around you, which I'm excited to get into. So today I have special guests Haley Westfall and Stephanie Hendrick, and they are the co-founders of Collab Culture. And Collab Culture, we're going to talk about collaboration today. So the label is Let's collaborate. Um, And this collab culture is a membership community for female entrepreneurs. And what I find, so I got to watch this kind of grow from an outside perspective, again, through social media, which is kind of creepy if you think about it. I'm just watching you. Um, But what what I saw was this boom. I mean, you guys just had members go, it was like zero to literally 100. You just told me you have over 100 members now. Um, And I'm excited to get into today why collaboration matters and why women might struggle with 
that component in business. Um, so I think there's a lot of labels to unpack here, but first I want to say hello. Hello. Hey. <laughs> Thanks for coming on the show today. Of course. We're actually getting to record this live, which is, I think, more important because we really get to connect and, and really dive into some of the, the difficult conversations. So I'm going to start with Stephanie. Um, Stephanie has a background in business. You built a business with your husband, correct? Yes. Tell me a little bit about that business. So I kind of fell into that business unplanned, right? I was just in college working for a mortgage company and ended up meeting my future husband there. And he and I just decided once we got together to team up and kind of put his expertise of his sales background together with my um, expertise and knowledge at that point of operations. And it really just made a kind of an organic business in and of itself. So we teamed up for probably about a decade, maybe a little bit more than a decade, just growing that business together, all the trials and triumphs that came with that. Tell me about the unique nature of growing a business with your spouse, because there's, everybody talks about this work-life balance. How do you achieve that when you're growing a business with, because you're in partnership in multiple areas there. Right, right. So, so that's, that's a loaded one, right? There is, there's probably you first want to start by saying there's really no balance. I think what helped with us, because that is very unique. So what worked was to understand that we didn't sit in an office together. A lot of times people thought that if they were calling us on the phone or emailing that we were sitting next to each other. Mm -hmm. Um, The reality was I worked from home because we had just had our first daughter. And so it worked for me to be flexible and be home with her. So while I was at home, he was over in our office. So we did have, we were working together, but not side by side. Right. So I think that really helped to be honest, because we really did at least have space between us during the day. Um, but that said, it's really hard as with any entrepreneur, it's hard to know how to shut it off, mm-hmm. how to shut business off, because it was very easy for us to go on a date night on a Friday night. That's kind of a thing for us as a standing date night every Friday. And you just naturally start talking about the week. It's almost like you you don't shut it off. For sure. So that was something we had to be incredibly conscious of was, okay, if we take business off the table, do we still have a connection? Do we, do we, we had to find things to talk about and you have to develop a relationship separate yeah. from your business. It's so interesting because I think that it seems like such a natural collaboration to partner up with a spouse, especially when you have shared interests or you have shared expertise like you guys did. I mean, what a powerhouse to put the two of you together and, and you get to just run towards these goal, these shared goals that also support your family life. Um, I grew up in a family business, so I, I understand firsthand how hard that is to kind of draw a line between, you know, when it's time to focus on work and when it's time to let go of that and focus on other things. Um, collaboration within a marital situation or a family system comes with a whole different set of challenges and benefits. And I think that's the, the, the thing when we talk about collaboration being a label um, and, and working in a team environment or working in a partnership environment, you're coming together with all a collective group of labels that each of you is bringing into it, both in your talents and in some of your, your, uh, what would we call them? Shortcomings. (laughs) Yes. Shortcomings. You can tell I have my own experience. I'm like, how do I label this nicely? Um, yeah, but so how, tell me how that was for you guys working through when you bring two people together, you lose us, you lose, lose a little bit of that control. 
Well, you do, right? I mean, even if you think about any organization, there's a reason that they're structured where you have, let's just call it like a president and a vice president, Mm -hmm. right? So kind of keep that in the back of your mind when you think about two spouses going, like going into business together. It's very difficult because you'll eventually get to the point as you scale and grow where you're going to come to decisions and it's, you know, maybe all roses up to that point where you've made decisions, you've been very much on the same page, you have a shared vision, but inevitably at some point you will disagree. Right. And so that can be really challenging. Like, well, which direction are we going to go? And if let's say he went my direction, let's just tease that out for a second and things flop, right? Then how do you recover from that? Is there the blame game? I mean, luckily in our case, we had a a real maturity to it, but I'm not going to sit here and lie and say that it was always fun or easy to determine which way we went. We ultimately ended up bringing in a business coach And I feel like that helped us when we came to decisions on scaling because we did see it differently in in some aspects, like when to hire, who to hire, what type of position we were going to hire for at that moment because he might have wanted someone on the sales side where I saw we really needed them operationally. So you have to eventually bring in kind of like a mediator or a business coach to say, okay, let's tease this out. Let's really think it through. So I guess to go back to what you're asking, ultimately at some point, someone has to be the decision maker at some point. It's not always a level playing field. Someone's going to be on top at different points in time. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's, that's part of what the challenge is with having a partnership. However, there's also a huge benefit, right? Because you are sharing that responsibility. Mm -hmm. So speak into the positive side of that. As far as do, I guess my question for you would be, do you think without a partner in that, without a collaborator in that, do you think you would have taken the same risks or built the business in the same way that you both did together? No. To me, like as you're asking that question, it's this resounding no. Like we got so much further and further faster because we were there together. Yeah. There were, I can remember when we went to hire our first employee, which is terrifying. You know, when you get to that point and you're like, okay, this is a salary it's, there's a lot to think through. And I don't know why, cause usually my husband is more the risk taker, but for some reason I was the one pushing that. And I was like, no, we can do it. And maybe it's because I knew the numbers on the back end and was seeing it in a different light. I think for him, it was like, oh, I don't want to have, you know, the, the thought of managing someone was, I think just maybe overwhelming mm-hmm. at that point for him. So the point being is, is there, there's someone when there's two of you in it, there's someone that's the driving force as where there's plenty of other examples I can think of where he was the driver. Right. And I was like, Ugh, I don't know how this is going to go. But to have that sounding board, as well as to have somebody that's in it with you so you don't feel like you're taking the leap alone. Right. Or that maybe has experience they bring into the equation is super helpful. So I know without a doubt we went further um, because we were there together. Yeah, I love that. So I want to, I don't want to like... Uh, this is so exciting and fun because I have two people that I get to ask all these <laughs> questions to. Um, so I, I don't, I'm going to ask you one more question and then I want to kind of dive into Haley's story. So Stephanie, when you, you took a step out of this business, correct? Like you, I would imagine have almost a silent partnership now. Very much so. Okay. Yeah. I'm still there, but very much in the background. People don't know that. And you have talked to me in the past about what drove that need or what drove that step out. Would you kind of dive in. So I'm like, I got to watch my own labels as I say this, because I have a very similar story in that I came to a kind of a crossroads where 
I was tired of not being seen as a credible piece of, of my original business. And I, I think as women, uh, at least for me, and I try not to label this as a gender thing, mm-hmm. um, but from my experience, it seems like we as women have a harder time with this. Um, when there is a man who we're in collaboration with, he sort of always gets given this, whatever it is, kudos, credibility, mm-hmm. power, control. People just sort of assume that you were along for the ride yes. as, a, as a female. Yes, and I appreciate that you're you know, wanting to be careful of the labels, but that actually was my experience. Mm-hmm. It wasn't coming from him. I mean, that's probably right. why we're still married, right? Right, of course, yeah. <laughs> it actually wasn't coming from him. He was probably the biggest advocate in trying to break it because right. he knew how I was feeling before I ever admitted to him how I was feeling. Right. But so just to kind of take a step back for listeners... I was in a very male-dominated industry. And like I was saying at the beginning... I love... Time out. Yeah. I love when we say that. Like It's true. Most I, industries are still highly male-dominated. Yes. yes. Which is... Because I say that about my industry, too. And mm-hmm. we're in totally different industries. Um, so keep it, going. It I very much it. is, though. Very yeah. much. Um, and so let's just say, for, for example, over the years when we would hit these, um, I don't know, levels of, of volume, sales volume, for example you'll get accolades and there's awards and there's annual meetings and and there's opportunities where you're recognized, right? And it was very common over the years, not that it was intentional, right? I think a lot of times labels, people don't realize they're doing it, right? but it was accolades in my husband's name. It was to him. And so many times I can think of where people said, oh, and Stephanie was a huge help. She's such a big help. Or I was the assistant. And it tore me up inside. But I was like, hey, you know, I know that's not the way he sees it. He knew that he always treated me as a partner. Like, I can actually say that. And I, I wouldn't volunteer that if it wasn't true. But nobody else saw it that way. Right. Um, even women, right? Even women in the industry. It was just always the accolades for him. And so he was, those last few years, I think he started to see me struggle mentally with it and emotionally with it. And he would say, you know, hey, if there's going to be an accolade or an award, you have to give recognition to us as a team. Right. Like, stop putting it in my name. And, you know, ultimately, I will say that was the driving force behind me wanting to get out and do my own thing. I mean, sure, I, I had dreams, and I, I never envisioned myself being in that industry, right? So, of course, that's part of it. But there's a huge part of me that, if I'm being very honest and vulnerable, I just wanted to prove to myself that I wasn't crazy that I really could do something successful on my own without him. Yeah. Because it seemed to me that everyone saw the success as, well, she's successful because of her husband. Yeah. Well, so you've now started two successful businesses. Um, you are coaching CEOs and you've also started collab culture. Um, both are booming, both are doing very well and both you are standing on your own. Well, not, not in totally on your own in the second <laughs> in, one. In collab ex- excellent collab. company. Yeah. An excellent company. <laughs> An She's phenomenal if we female do so. company, can I just say, yeah. No, but you have, you've, you've stepped out of that and you've built two more successful businesses. My question to you is, has that changed? That assumption that you get from outside influence or outside observation, has it changed? Like, in other words, do I still feel like I'm trying to prove something? Do you, is, do you still get those assumptions that, you're kind of ornamental to the success. 
or has it changed in having businesses on your own? I'd say to be really raw and authentic, I still battle it. Yeah. I still absolutely do. And I, I think part of it could be, right, that the business I stepped out of or that I'm silent in and have a much, much tinier role in these days is at such a level that for me to feel like I even could compete with that success would take a really long time. Right. So I think that's part of it. Um, and I also think there's maybe something to be said about just how sticky these damn labels are yeah. because it, I haven't shaken it. Right. Well, and it's interesting, right? Cause I think I, the reason I'm asking you this is culturally speaking, we are constantly relabeled those things by outsiders. Mm-hmm. So literally this morning I'm here in Arizona, I'm staying at my folks house and the, one of the AC units goes out. So I call an AC guy, he comes out, he fixes it. It's like, Boom, 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 done, right? I'm pumped out of my mind. My original industry is a service industry in oil and gas. So I appreciate that kind of service. I, I was getting ready to tip him $100 on top of what he was charging because I was so impressed with the service that, that was provided. So I'm there with a couple of friends. A couple of them happen to be gentlemen. And I'm getting ready to, one, pay the bill, two, give him a $100 tip, and three, acknowledge the service that he's provided because it's not very widely celebrated anymore these days. And in the midst of me getting ready to speak, he asks one of the guys in the house what they do for a living. And it was that, it was that moment that you're talking about where you go, wow, I was just kind of erased mm-hmm. in the room as like anything credible or worth talking to. I think this is a really important conversation to have. And when we have this conversation on the show a lot for a reason, and that is the people that are susceptible to picking up the labels. We are talking currently about being female business owners and how we're labeled that way, but it isn't just a female problem. However, one of the hardest parts is that we're continuously being labeled or relabeled because of those assumptions or those social interactions that we're really used to. Um, and I think you highlight a really important part that it's, um, th- th- there's two parts, right? One is they're sticky and you have to kind of tear them out o- over and over and over again until it's a habit. But there's also this other piece of like, how do we combat this when we're still constantly being handed that label? Like, oh, hey, this belongs to you, even though yesterday you tore it out. So yeah. You're, you're, I love that you're being vulnerable about this because it's so important to know that it's, we're all still dealing with something that we're trying to kind of reframe or lose or redefine all the time. So how do you currently handle getting through that moment of like, wow, I was just discounted for no apparent reason, even though I'm building some pretty amazing things? Yeah, man, I, it's a slippery slope, right? I'd be remiss to say that there are not days when I don't voice text my partner sitting here and say, I'm spiraling. Yeah. <laughs> I think I sent her one of those a week ago. Yeah. She said, today's yoga position, downward spiral. <laughs> <laughs> That's a, that so, might be the podcast episode. Right. <laughs> right. And so it's, it's acknowledging it. I feel like, I feel like that step one is this, you know, acknowledging what's happening. Like, so I'm very right. good to acknowledge when those things are happening you know, sometimes I can shake it off within a couple hours and really reframe my mind. There's other days when you, you go a full day and you're like, okay, all right, I see what's happening. I know what's happening. What am I going to do about it? Right. Um, and so I've just kind of found like some releases to kind of get my mind right. So whether that's, you know, a workout class or 
having a conversation and just sobbing the tears sometimes with my husband. I mean, depending on what it is and just letting him put the pieces back together or let my partner here put the pieces back together. Yeah. Sometimes journaling helps too, right? To like, just write out like, okay, let me just take a minute and remind myself of how far I've come. Yeah. Like in other words, let me disprove this label. And sometimes you have to do that over and over and over. Like, why is this not true? And you point out perfectly, it's sometimes collaboration with the people we love that are going to build us back Mm -hmm. up, but it's also can be collaboration with self. Right. Yes. And so we both. are kind of always having this conversation with ourselves, And I think we discount the power in being able to sit with that inner voice bully and go, all right, buddy, <laughs> like <laughs> enough's enough. Here. You're, you're going to pack up and leave today. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I love. OK, so thank you for sharing your story with me. I want to jump over to Haley. I find this really interesting because when I asked Haley this question, she said, you know, we have a lot of the same story, but it's completely different. And isn't that, isn't that the human experience, yeah. right? There's a, I believe that there's something that all of us can relate on in a really powerful way. Yet if you put all of the collection of life experiences and memories and feelings and all the things we go through together, you wouldn't be the same at all, right? It's, yeah. You've had totally different walks. Mm-hmm. So Haley, you come from a, a corporate background. Correct. So what was your your, I feel bad that I don't know this. I don't even know what your corporate job was in. That's okay. So I worked in healthcare administration for upwards of two decades, which actually seems crazy. I know we're not that that old. old. No, (laughs) but also yes. Um, so yeah, healthcare administration, um, kind of one of those things that's weird, like Steph was sharing, I kind of fell into it. Mm -hmm. Um, my boyfriend in high school, his mom worked in healthcare administration, I went to work for her because, you know, I wanted a big girl job and I didn't want to work at a fast food place or where everybody else was working. And so I kind of started working there and it was one of those things that I just am a fast learner and I caught on fast and I just moved up quick and I just stayed because I was good. Mm -hmm. I was good at it. Um, It came naturally to me and it was a great job, especially for someone at my age. So, um, I just kind of stayed there and never left. So I've always had a passion for people. So Steph and I actually went through our bachelor's programs together um, at ASU. And then I ended up going on and getting my master's in leadership. Go Devils. Go Devils. (laughs) Um, I did lopes up, get my master's at Grand Canyon. But I very specifically chose a leadership program, which is just interesting to me because it would have made sense for me to pick like healthcare administration. Right. um, Something in my industry. But for whatever reason, I chose leadership, which is just you know, hindsight's always twenty twenty. So right. now looking back, I'm like, wow, this is really applicable for my life, not in healthcare administration. Right. Um, well, and somewhere you had to have kind of had that inner sense yeah. of like, I'm not totally in the right place. Like the common ground here, and mm-hmm. I, it's funny, I just said how we can all relate. Mm-hmm. I relate to both of you in different ways. And one of the biggest things is we all kind of fell in. And I think most people would say that. Like, yeah. Because at 18, 20, 22 even, yeah. we have no idea what we really no. are passionate about. Like, I'm pretty good at this. Yeah. It pays my bills. Right. <laughs> All right. And fine. for some <laughs> alcohol. No. Right. right. <laughs> it pays my bar tab during the week. <laughs> right. It's fine. Right. <laughs> yeah. So so I, that's what I did. I did that. I am loyal almost to a fault sometimes. Mm. So I didn't hop around a lot. Um, you know, 10 years, almost 11 years at one place. 
um, a couple years at another place. And quite frankly, the only reason I left that place was because I had my first baby and the commute was redonkulous. Mm -hmm. And so it just was really like stuff was sharing. It just tugs on your heart to not be there for your kids, especially as a first time mom. And so I was still working in corporate, but closer to home. Um, And I just, it's one of those things where maybe you take it for granted and you get comfortable and you're just like, yeah, I mean, this is great. It's like comfy, cozy. I'm making this, you know, bomb salary. And I have my, um, you know, people that work for me leading teams of as small as five people to as much as 200 people. And like, dang, I'm really good at what I do. Right. And then COVID happened. And 2020 happened. This is like COVID happened COVID is like happened. the worst part of the conversation. The worst, literally. It says so much without having to say it at all. It so does. Yeah. And, that, you know, I had been in this director role and working at this place for six and a half years. So comfy, cozy. Like, this is great. You know, love the people I work with, love all this stuff. So I thought. And it was like, no, ma'am, have a seat. We are eliminating your position effective today. And thanks for your service. Goodbye. Wow. Yeah. Literally like, what the hell? I was working from home that day. It was like the ultimate shock. Um, And no severance offer. No. I mean, no. Minimal. I mean, yes, but no. I mean, the severance was, it was, it was a minimal severance, but also like, Hey, by the way, you have over a month of PTO, which you are not eligible to cash out. Wow. So it was kind of one of those things where it was like, the severance was almost like, this is just to appease you. So you don't go and badmouth us to right, right. or file a lawsuit. Right. Right. Which I mean, again, Arizona is a right to work state. So it's like, that is, it is what it is. Right. But my world was rocked. I mean, I had never quit it, quit a job. Well, I shouldn't say that. I had never like, um, not given notice at right. a job, right? The only reason I had left a job would be to advance as I finished my master's yeah. program and then to be closer to home because of my baby. But three corporate jobs in 20 years. I mean, that yeah. just doesn't That's happen. like unheard of nowadays. Yeah. Right. And so um, never been fired. Oh my gosh. Like, I don't even think I had ever been written up. Right. And it was like, my world was rocked. So speaking of yoga position, downward spiral, there I went. <laughs> Um, I did pick up a second um, corporate job, which it was a startup. I worked there for a couple months, got them up off the ground, and it was like, oh, by the way, now that our doors are open, um, we have not contracted with these insurance companies yet, so we don't have funding, and you're our highest paid employee, so please also have a seat two weeks before Christmas. Thank you very much. Thanks for coming. During a a global pandemic. Yes. So this was like within a five-month period of each other, right? Two times. And so it was super humbling and also a time of great reflection because here I thought, I'm so good at this and this is just where I belong. And anything I ever thought I was questioning, like, do I even like it? You know, as you're searching and you're trying to provide for your family, which I now have three children and it's a very heavy and, um, you know, just a lot of responsibility and being a primary breadwinner, you know, 50-50 with your spouse and feeling like, how are we going to pay for our mortgage and how are we going to pay for all of these things? And yeah. so it was insanely rough and just trying to figure out where to go from there. Speak into, and I know this is difficult, mm-hmm. but speak into the labels that you were feeling when you were coming to the table without your half. Oh, like just failure, disappointment, um, 
I don't even know, just like ill-equipped, um, struggling, so many, like so many. And it, lo- God love my husband. I'm I like, was just going to say, I know her husband. I'm so like, I, I also want to hear about, yeah. Cause I know, I know that it's, it was you yeah. feeling all that. It was oh, you. 100%. Oh, yeah. I know part of me wants to interject and say her husband yeah. was like the most supportive person yeah. you could imagine, right. but it was the self. A hundred percent. Cause yeah. your identity was built in this corporate role. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and in healthcare admin right. also, I wouldn't say insanely heavily dominated male, but definitely more male than female, especially in especially in leadership. In leadership, <laughs> yeah, in in admin, in more C suite positions, right. definitely more male for sure. Right. Um, not to mention working for a bunch of surgeons, which are just on another level. Right. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I remember calling my husband, and he was like, "It it's gonna be fine. Mm. It's fine." And I'm like sobbing hysterically, like, what am I going to do? And this was the first, the first time. And I'm just like, so crushed and devastated. And like, how did this happen? Like, what did I do? Is it me? Is it, you know, you, you start to compartmentalize any and everything you've ever done. Right. Like, did I cause this? Why me? You know, why in a, in a corporation of, we'll say, 500 employees or a thousand employees like why me right and it's hard not to get into that like self-serving um spiral right right instead of like picking yourself back up the ground up off the ground and so he was so like Steph was saying just like it's gonna be fine like this is not you this is not a you issue right you're great at your job your people love you like you're a natural born leader and, and this is just, you know, God's plan for you or whatever it is, whatever you were intended to be doing in this time, this is not it. And quite frankly, it's probably a decision you weren't going to make for yourself anyway. Right. Because he's like, do you even like it? So it's funny because when a lot of people that describe leaving corporate or, or being forced to leave corporate, mm-hmm. it's to me, it sounds like a toxic relationship, like leaving a toxic relationship. Yeah. So you like, you're almost like done a favor but you're oh, so totally. dedicated and your your identity is so built in that that you're sort of like forcing the next door open like <laughs> I'm speaking from experience in toxic <laughs> relationships um, <laughs> some comedy here um, but that's what it sounds like right so did you at that point consider that you wanted to do anything different or were you just sort of trying to like find where you could relabel that like I'm a leadership in healthcare admin sure where's the next company that's going to offer me that label. I mean, I'd be lying to say that I wrote it off at first Mm -hmm. because I knew it would be easy-ish, even given the circumstances of the world at the time, for me to find another job. Um, I think after the first time, I did go into that second job within a month. Um, But after the second time, that was where I really had to take time to be like, okay, did I not listen the first time? Right. Ma'am, have a seat. And we're like, okay, she's not listening. Have a seat again. We need you to really stop and reflect. Um, So yeah, I don't think I really honestly, truly even considered doing something else until after that second time and probably a couple months later. It was a very depressing, just like mopey time. Yeah. And I had no clue. I had no clue what I was going to do. I knew I needed to provide for my family, but I felt like I, if I went back into that space, I wasn't going to be giving my best self because I was damaged and felt like 
no one's going to want me. Well, and there's a layer of trauma involved there. Totally. With going back in and going, okay, how long do I have before this happens again? Totally. Which is that toxic piece of like, I've dedicated everything to this Mm -hmm. and I've literally built my world around what is needed or what's required of me. And they're just going to discard me when they feel like it. Yeah. Um, And those are the times, at least in my experience, that we allow those negative labels to start like stacking. Um, It's funny because I'm speaking for your group tomorrow about overwhelm. And I I believe wholeheartedly that the label overwhelm is really just a template that's applied to a collection of struggles, Mm -hmm. um, which I'm really excited to dive into tomorrow with your group. Um, But that's what I hear when you describe that is like you're you're setting yourself up knowing at least you know you you begin to believe that you're going to be discarded and and sort of abandoned again for sure so how did you you moved into social media marketing and we made a hard left you made a hard left <laughs> but I find this so fascinating though because and I, I want to dive into this with both of you real quick um and I hate to not honor like the space for this because it's a big question yeah But both of you have a line of faith. So Mm -hmm. you're both, um, you both have households that are built on your faith and how God is driving your lives. Sure. So at what point did you feel like you were trying to walk through a door that God had closed and like the one behind you is open and he's like, over here. (laughs) Yeah. I like that is literally the driving force for me to step into something else because it was over and over again me thinking no this like this is it this is it and just feeling that like in the back of my mind where he's like no it's not there's something else and so I think it was just beating myself up to a point where I was like you need to get out of bed and do something with your life because this is not you this is not what he has planned for you this is not you're not being a good example for your girls. And so it was almost like the rock bottom. Yeah. I mean, my rock bottom, at least in that season. Right. To be like, get up, shut your mouth and listen. Because he's been trying to tell you all along. Right. And you're just choosing to try to control, you know, the ultimate path that you're supposed to be going on. It's hard. So I hear you say that. And I, I actually feel like even you saying that there's so much like heat and shame in that. Mm-hmm. Like, like, um, you had 20 years, yeah, almost, well, it sounds like almost 20 years of, or more than, sorry, mm-hmm. more than 20 years of being one thing, yep. right. Of being, and being an expert in it. And it was a, a grooming of expertise. So yep. it was, a, a, you know, you built and you built and you built and you built to become so successful in your industry. 20 years is a long time. Yeah. So I just kind of want to point that out that it's really hard to turn towards an open door that God's offering you when you're like, I don't know what I'm doing there, but over here in this door, I've got 20 years, man. Like, (laughs) you know, like there's a battle there. It's just funny. Like I think about Steph's story and like on the side of the road in her car and it's like, why does he choose these times? Like right now on a Tuesday, (laughs) this this was the time (laughs) we needed needed to have this conversation. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. It's just like, I don't know. I'm a firm believer that like it's with great intention. Yeah. And so it's not on our terms. It's on his. As, as female entrepreneurs, and I'll go to Stephanie first on this one, is rock bottom necessary? 
Ooh, sometimes it really, really can be. I mean, it can be, right? I don't, I don't know that it is if we're maybe not as stubborn, but when we are stubborn, sometimes we do have to really be brought down to that level before we open our eyes to what's right in front of us. Right. Whether, you know, that opportunity or like Haley said, I mean, faith plays a huge part in my transition too, because I really wanted to fight it. And I wouldn't say it brought me to rock bottom. I mean, rock bottom would have looked a lot different than it did for me. Yeah. Um, well, that's a just, good point. But I mean, stripping, maybe maybe the way to say it, because some people think of rock bottom is like you lose everything you have, right? right. But sometimes rock bottom is an emotional. Yes. Right? Yeah. That's a, a great distinction. It's an, it can be an emotional rock bottom where you're just kind of rocked and you strip everything away to yeah. where you're finally able to receive and see what's in front of you. Um, I'd say going to your question about the faith aspect of it. For me, it was just understanding that he'd always provided in that first business that my husband and I had together, mm-hmm. right? Because that's that was 100% on us. There was no salary. There, the, there were times when there was no paycheck coming if right. we didn't create and bring in the business and, and close the deals. And so it, for me, it was actually another friend of mine who asked me that simple question, like, when tell me a time he has not provided for you. Right. And so looking back on it over a decade and I was like, okay, you're right. Like, I guess I can right. take this because it was a huge leap of faith for me. It wasn't, no, I wasn't walking away from a salary. I never had had the salary. For me, it was that I suddenly had to pay multiple salaries for people to replace me. So for me, it was an output of salaries for me to walk away. It Does that make sense? Yeah. Like mine yeah. was almost a, an opposite. Yeah. Well, yeah, it was almost a bigger bar. It was just, set. you have to pay these people that we had hired to take over my position. And right. so that was the, it looked different than it does for other people, but it felt just as heavy. It's such an important conversation. And, you know, I teach over and over and over again to people that these labels that we use, like I just use the label, rock bottom is a label. Mm. It's a, it's a distinction of where we are in our lives at that time. And yet it's so rarely defined in the same way with two different people. Um, You know, it's funny because I've heard a lot of believers through my life say, you know, God's always provided for me. And I wasn't always a Christian. I didn't always have a faith background. And so I always made the assumption like that means that he's providing money for those people to, to live a lifestyle. And I think it, you know, I think in some ways it does, but it's also, I think what we've, what we kind of forget and what I've had a hard lesson of learning this year is like, he also provides all the other things, which I'm going to jump back to Haley's story. You were being provided with all of this knowledge and all of this passion and a, a guide towards a, a, a business, a way for you to be an entrepreneur and be around your kids more, mm-hmm. not commute, like all the things. And yet sometimes we forget to kind of look at how how we're being provided for in other ways. Yeah. So tell me about how you moved into the business that you currently have. And then we're going to like we're halfway in this, and we're we've not even dive, dive, dive in, <laughs> dove in, dove in, dove. Wow. Mm. <laughs> Let me Google that one. I am not an English continue. major. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we haven't even gotten into collab culture, but yeah. I really think this is important. Yeah, I think it is hard to see those things when they're not right in front of you. And I think money is an easy way for us to distinguish success, good, bad, or indifferent, mm-hmm. right? And and coming from again just a position that provided such a hefty. Um, salary component along with it, it is hard to not feel, I'd be lying if I said I still don't feel that way. Right. 
um, where I'm constantly measuring my success now versus in then. dollars against what I was making. I mean, I've had conversations with many people and again, with great intention, they're not att- intending to be um, offensive or anything like that, you know, but it'll be, you know, well, are, are you matching your income? Mm-hmm. Like your former income? And it's like, who wants to say no? Well, and it's funny. No one wants to be like, no. It's amazing <laughs> how much people... I want to say unintentionally, but sometimes I think it is intentionally. I think sometimes people look at like you. Okay, let me let me back up. (laughs) So, some awesome editing right there. Right, this is how I avoid not not paying an editor. So, in in business as a female, I think it's alarming to me how many people have said like, "Oh, how's your little business?" Oh, all the time. And that label is so degrading, right? It's, mm-hmm. And it's funny because anyone who starts business, there's a growth process. Sure. It's going to be a, a process of growth. Mm-hmm. It's going to be small, medium, large, extra large, whatever, you know. And some of us don't want to have a booming, sure. you know, seven-figure-a-year business. Yet, when someone applies that label to you, it, it it is that is one that is just so difficult to even respond to yeah for sure and i think too like you were saying just having all those other things that you're not um maybe tangibly holding right like it's not a paycheck or it's not dollars but right. coming from it, always being a working mom and working a crap load of hours and not being able to do you know mother's day tea at my kids school or not being able to go on field trips or not being able to do volunteer in the classroom or whatever those things are that way is just as heavy right and you don't really realize it until you're like oh my gosh until you I get have, it back I get yeah. to do all these things like I could never do any of these things before right so I do think there are um things even like Steph and I were just talking about you know the double-edged sword of having kids home for the summer right and it's like what a blessing to be able to be home with them also you're irritating me but also, we're so glad you're here. And so it is a hard thing to navigate. But, you know, I, I had done a post on social today, and it was like, it's such a double-edged sword because we have such little time with them. And when you're a mom, you, like, feel that so hard right. because you're like, wow, you know, 18 summers, if we're lucky, you know, preferably not 30. Like, I was going to say. Live here, <laughs> don't live here your entire life. Right. But it's like such a great way of <laughs> right you like gotta the, go the days are so long but the years are so, are so short yeah. and so, it's time you can't buy back it doesn't matter how much money you have 100 percent. so I truly feel like that was something I didn't know I was missing right so if I feel like there's something you know that I've gained aside from all the other amazing things of running my own business the one thing is time yeah and so I have the choice to be able to choose you know Stephanie knows I tend to burn the midnight oil sometimes but I choose that because I'm offsetting it by being able to take them to dance or being able to do things during the day with them. And that's on my terms. It's not on someone else's. Right. This is going to be a big question for you, and I'm going to preface it with a story. So um, I went through something similar at the beginning, right before COVID. I decided to leave my active role in a family business. I'd been there 18 years. It was a horrifying jump for me. Um, you know, there was a legacy piece that I felt like I was bailing on the people I loved most and the people that supported me at times where I really needed that job, right? Like you're talking about providing yeah. for your family. Um, I've been a single mom for eight, oh, over eight years. Um, and I felt like I was kind of like 
just not appreciating what they had done for me by saying like, okay, my, my season's come to a close. I'm going to hire people to replace my role mm-hmm. and, and go chase some dreams. Um, and it, it, it felt exciting. It felt really risky and terrifying. Um, and then I decided I was going to go into public speaking, coaching, and like corporate facilitation. And then COVID happened. <laughs> so like three months later, I'm like, cool, there's literally no public speaking happening like Stephanie, anywhere. Stephanie feels this so hard. Yes. I'm pretty sure I have the same story. <laughs> we did the, this we is how were, I met you, actually. Yeah, yeah. we're like, uh, how, are you getting emails? I think mine went down. Is your internet working? <laughs> right. No one's responding. <laughs> yeah. And the virtual component is just not, No, it's like, okay. They're like, hey, virtual, but for free. That's yeah. Like, that's a big one. Yeah, that that's a major one. Uh-huh. That we, and we were uh-huh. new at that time yes. too. So even more so. Yep. Um, so I left my, my family business, which my mom and dad started together, similar to, to Stephanie's story. And I had one of my best friends, truly one of like, I love her. And you say like, she, you know, they didn't ask with bad intentions. One day she said, are you still working for your dad? And I like, it felt like a knife twisted inside of me. Like I was like, gosh, like one, my mom never got enough credit, in my opinion, which relates to Stephanie's story. And two, it was like I had been there 18 years. I had accomplished right that, that long history of achievements and knowledge and business accolades and all the things. And it was literally dumbed down to like, do you work for your daddy? Mm-hmm. That's how I felt, right? Yeah. And so I gathered myself, you know, I think a lot of times when we, when we receive those negative labels from people, it's because we didn't respond correctly or we didn't know how to respond. And so I, I, in my head, I'm like, okay, I got to think through like all my knowledge of coaching and all my knowledge of people, how can I respond to this in a powerful way? Well, I didn't, I was, (laughs) I was like, no, you know, I I explained, over explained myself and I'm like, no, I, you know, I left, left there blah, blah. And she, her response was, Oh, so you're working for your husband now. And I had been married. So I got remarried in 2019. So I had been remarried maybe eight months at that point. And I was like, wow. And underneath all of that, I didn't realize that I my one of my most challenging labels to deal with was that I always applied my success to there being a man partner in my life. Like I knew I could be successful, but I didn't know I could be successful without kind of giving that man in my life credit. So it could be my dad, it could be my brother, it could be my, you know, boyfriend, spouse, whatever. Mm -hmm. But I always felt like kind of an ornament in that. So my question for you is, both of you, when people say things like that, is it us that... Like, is it our problem if we pick up a negative label or is it that we are not learning as a society to approach conversations in a way where they aren't judgment-based conversations? Because, like, Mm -hmm. what you're describing and what I just described is, like, someone handed – they're asking you a question, but there's a whole bunch of judgment in it. Yeah. Ugh. I I don't know. I think it's probably double-edged. For me, I think sometimes I feel like it's very much a them issue mm. and sometimes it's a me issue. And I think it depends on the circumstances. I mean, I can think of just with collabs specifically when you were talking about like your little business, I've probably heard someone refer to they run that little West Valley networking group mm-hmm. or they run that little, you know, women's 
women's community or something like that. And I'm like, mother effers, it ain't little. We're huge. Like, like <laughs> what? And and you, you really are. Just right. they're laughing, but it, this is a real deal. But it's a so then you like compartmentalize it, right? And so you're like is this a me issue? Is this a them issue? Like, how do I educate them in a way that isn't defensive? And we've talked about this with our group a lot. Like we did an exercise with them and said, you know, I want you to explain, they were at little round tables that will say six or seven people. I want you to explain what you do in less than one minute. Right. And the amount of rambling that took place when it should be a very distinct two, three sentences max, period, this is what I do. And the psychology behind it, I think, is we feel like we have something to prove Mm -hmm. and we're trying to like rationalize what we do for a living and feel like we have to measure up to their standard. Mm -hmm. When And and I'm saying they is a very broad, not just men, men and women alike. um, That is a little bit of an us issue, right? right? Where we feel ill-equipped or we feel like not enough or we feel... And that can be from a lot of different things. It can be from prior trauma. It can be from experience. It can just be from lack of confidence, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think for me, I don't know, for Steph, but for me, it's both. And it kind of teeters back and forth. Yeah. I don't disagree. I want to challenge that, too, with one thing, because um, I'd, li- I lo- I'd love to know your perception on this. I'd, I totally agree with what you said about we are kind of over-explaining what we do, trying to justify or trying to prove something. And when I look at who you were in healthcare admin, that seems really easy to put one label on as an expertise. But when I look at the Haley today, I see a specialized polymath who's collected a lot of different expertises. And you've now like put a bow around them. And the same when I see Stephanie, like, I would imagine it's very difficult for you guys. You kind of have to pick one label depending on who you're being introduced to because you you both are running several businesses at this point. And I know you feel this a lot with the keynote versus coaching and how to distinguish, you know, what people view you as. Right. Yes. Can it be both? Right. And that's hard though. Yeah. That's really hard because all we're told by society is pick a lane, pick a lane, pick a lane. Right. What are you an expert in? You should only have one thing. Right. And so we're working this uphill battle. I think sometimes where we're like, yeah, but my experience, you know, I can talk to CEOs and, and work on productivity, but I can also talk to them about scaling a team. And so it is a battle, right? There's almost this identity. It's like an identity crisis when you're an entrepreneur really is. Um, Well, and I think it's a conversation of like, we used to live in a world where education was designed to teach us one Mm -hmm. service or how to develop one cog, right? We, we were supposed to have kind of one expertise as you, as you are saying, or one job. But nowadays, what makes us really valuable in the world is that collection of life experience, that collection of Mm -hmm. knowledge, the collection of networking with different people, um, you getting to see the inside of corporate is something I can't offer, right? Her being in a, a marital business is something I can't offer. Me standing as a single mom after two really harsh divorces is something you guys, you know, mm-hmm. can't offer to someone else. And so for, I think that is a challenge as far as like, is particularly how we label ourselves when we walk in a room. 
I totally agree. Yeah. I think going back to that question you asked, Haley was tapping on it too. You know, when people say those things and you said, is it an, an us problem or is it a, a them problem? I'd agree. I think it's both, but kind of to really piggyback on like this, how this conversation is turning, I think it really just points out where we're the most insecure. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like, like why does that question, sure, that, co- that question does sound condescending, totally. like your little business. For me, you know, the way it, it comes out from family members, and I don't think they, there's ill will behind it. Right. Sometimes there might be, but they'll say things like, you know, my husband might say, or I might say, oh, I'm going to be in Texas, you know, at the end of the month, I'm, I'm speaking for this conference keynoting it and the question out of their mouth is you know it's not a statement of just like oh that sounds fantastic or what city are you going to or something like that that might seem more natural it's are you getting paid for this right you know oh are they are they paying you on this one or are you are you having to do it for free right it is it can sound very condescending and, and not that I think family members mean to be that way but then it really it is condescending, one, but two, then it really gets into those those feelings that we have where we're like, you know, I thought I was making progress. I thought I was building this. And, you know, you want to be like, hell yes, I'm getting paid for this. Yeah. First of all, you know, and I don't feel like I need to, I've never asked you to show me your paycheck. Right. Why, why do you need to see mine? Why do you need to know what I'm being paid for me to validate that I am doing this as a profession? Right. Well, and oftentimes right. they want to figure out how to do it also. So there, it could be a judgment question, but there also could be some envy tied in there. Very, yeah. It's kind of like a purple tag. Like you describe that as like something where we can get hit a little harder. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like the tags that we've reattached over and over and over again become like a bruised, like, like a, bruise, a deeply yeah. bruised tag. Right. And then somebody like touches it and it's like, whoa. Ouch. It really, sets, it really right. sets us off or we go into a spiral for days and they have no idea. Right. It was yeah. because of that you know, what they would say is like a harmless comment or question, or it was coming from an innocent place, but you're like, you have no idea. I'm still trying to recover for that one. Right. 100%. I totally agree. So you guys at this point are building, you're building a business and we didn't, we didn't dive far enough into this. We can talk about collab. Okay. Well, I, I think it's really important because there's so many people that are social media averse and so yeah. many people that do not understand the marketing in their business. So if you, if you have more questions for Haley, I will give you her number because <laughs> she's fabulous at what she does. I, truly, the marketing components that I've seen you put out, I'm like, oh, I need her. I need to hire her. Yeah. So, I mean, this is a really important component of business that a lot of businesses are still, mm-hmm. are still like, almost like unaware of as a whole. It's really interesting because we have actually for collab culture done zero. Well, I shouldn't say zero. We've had one, um, like partnership ad, if you will. Um, but we've done no marketing outside of social media. Mm -hmm. And I do think you're right. I think social is a very double-edged sword, which I could talk about for hours and hours. That's a whole nother podcast episode. Um, Agreed. But but I do think that it is is such a powerful tool if leveraged in the appropriate way. And, um, you know, on our collab count specifically, we have insanely high engagement because our audience is so concentrated Mm -hmm. and they're very much um, our ideal client. It's our, you know, it's, they're our people. And, you know, we've created a space where people feel safe and they feel welcome and they feel that collaboration aspect. And that's all with great intention. Right. Um, And, and through Instagram, right. Which 
can get a bad rap for a lot of different things, right. but I think if used the right way can just be such an amazing tool. I mean, for us to stay connected too. Oh yeah. I mean, I've not really missed, I was off social media for a couple of years, mm-hmm. um, by choice. And I, but for the most part, I've gotten to stay really connected to you through just seeing your sweet kids grow up. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's funny, right? Cause it is, it can be, I'm actually speaking a little bit on that tomorrow because it can be such a time suck or it can be such a like comparison monster mm-hmm. like portal. Um, but there's you got you, Haley, have used it for some really cool things this last year. And I've also gotten to see that, mm-hmm. um, which has inspired me in my business. I actually said that to her before we started this. Like I went through a, a, a total flatline year last year in my life where I was labeling and stacking myself with tags. Um, speaking of feeling like a hypocrite, I'm like, I am teaching this and I am <laughs> suffering every day. And that's hard to talk Imposter about. Imposter syndrome yeah. right there. Oh, yeah. girl. Yeah. It's a whole nother podcast episode. Mm-hmm. We could go on for days. Um, but it is, I mean, you have really inspired me forward in my business so much just by watching you grow your business and seeing everything you're putting out. And this lands us in this place of you guys have been friends for how long? I don't even know. 20, at well least 25 20. years. Yeah. 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 Okay. You guys went to rival high schools. We did. Yeah. So <laughs> they liked each other enough to stay friends through that. This is true. I'm, I'm kind of kidding. Those childhood roots run deep. They do. <laughs> and and I think what's really cool about this is you're talking about, these are our people. Mm-hmm. These This is our community. These are the women who've supported us. These are the women who need the support from us. Yeah. And it started here. It started with... You calling Haley when you were, what did you guys say? Spir- downward spiral. Oh, downward, downward spiral. spiral. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm like, hey, I'm falling. This is like the best new label yeah. that I have, so we're by the way. on speed dial regularly. Yeah. Yes. And, and vice versa, right? Haley was able to call you in mm-hmm. her seasons. And collaboration in being like, I'm almost picturing it like that top five, you know, they say like the five people you, you surround, surround yourself, yourself is who yes. you become. Yes. So having that chain that can go like, hey, you're gold. Don't forget your gold. Mm-hmm. How important has that been in, because you've kind of gone through this major transition around the same time. Yeah. Tell me about how valuable having someone to collaborate with is, even if it's not co-owning a, a large business like you guys are doing, but, but just in cheering for each other and encouraging each other. I mean, I think it's huge because, you know, any given entrepreneur, man or woman, never knows when they're going to hit that barrier that really shakes the ground underneath them. Mm. You never know when you're going to hit that and need people rallying around you. I mean, we see that. We have a private online community and there are days when women come in and they're just kind of falling apart. Right. And they say it and then it's amazing to see dozens of people just remind them of everything, how far they've come, what they have, or to just brainstorm to get through. Right this issue that they're facing. I think what's also cool too, is when you have such a diverse group of women, yes, we are so much the same and we really all go through the same issues. Um, but we have people that are really seasoned in business. We have people that are brick and mortar. We have people that are strictly, um, you know, uh, what do you, what would you call it online? Yeah. I was like electronic. That doesn't sound right. (laughs) I was like, do I have words? I was like, clearly a taker here, right? A technology. Let's rewind that one. So, you know, but you have, so you have this huge diverse group. Some people that are making hundreds of thousands of year that are probably going to hit, even some that are going to hit seven figures. And you have others that are like, hey, I'm joining this group and I don't yet have a business, right? You have this 
huge variety of women um, in business experience. And so it's really neat to have people to rely on. Like the right person is always there. Could be completely unrelated industries, but you always can say, hey, this is the issue I'm facing. And you have a ton of women that are like, okay, I've been there. Here's what you want to do. Here's the shortcut. Here's the, here's the do's and don'ts. Right. Um, it's fascinating to know that you can be in so many different industries, but it's the same issues that oh, you yeah. face industry to industry. And so I think that's the beauty of it. You don't need to have like a networking group of only hairstylists, right? Like you can bring in all these different industries and they really can get each other to that next level of growth or through the hurdles. I love, this is literally what Tear Out the Tags is built on because when we speak mentorship or when we speak collaboration in general, Mm -hmm. we really should be paired up with someone who's unlike us. We grow more, we learn more, we're exposed to more. We have a greater level of understanding. If, If I'm being coached by a man or I'm being coached by someone of a different cultural background or a different age, right? It doesn't really matter what it is. And each and every person we're exposed to, to your point, is literally going to teach us a completely different arm of that polymathic skill of that, like, gosh, now I've learned this. And that's allowed me to propel my business in a totally different direction. Um, it, it just allows us to not live such that narrow one label, one expertise kind of life. And it's super interesting because like Steph was saying, because they're not all the same, I think it exposes you to people that maybe you wouldn't normally surround yourself with, right? And we're, we're intentional. They would probably cringe at the thought coming into it if they knew that we make them sit in randomized seats when they come to meetings. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, wait, 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 I didn't well, know. A lot of them started following me, so now they're going to know. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but I think that, you know, that's with intention, right? Everything right. is on purpose. And it's like, you know, you didn't come here because you need to sit next to the girl that you work next to right. every day, right? right? And even Stephanie and I, like, we're alike in a lot of ways, but we are so different in many ways. And right. I think that that is so important because we can learn from each other. We will challenge each other in a way that is, you know, with a posture, with a heart posture that's for growth and for, you know, just wanting to see the best for each other, not only as individuals, but for this community as a whole. Right. Um, and I think the cool thing about this group is that we very intentionally designed it where it is very rooted on a community over competition mindset um, and, and that and period. Like community over competition, period. So this is not a traditional BNI. You're not going to come in and be the only real estate agent or right. the only hairstylist or the only fill in the blank. And that is because there is so much growth and power in that community. And right. no offense, I'm not going to be for everyone. Right. Steph's not going to be for everyone. You're not going to be for everyone. And so I don't want to go into a group feeling obligated to use, you know, Sally because she's the only one in the group and I don't have a personal connection to her. Right. Doesn't mean we can't be friends but I may not want to use her for the service that I'm looking for. And so I think by having that, and I mean, I will very, very frankly in DMs tell people if they send us a message and they're like, well, how many leads am I going to get? <laughs> oh, I'm we're like, not a lead service, by ma'am, the way. Yeah. Ma'am, ma'am. Which is a challenge. <laughs> it is It's hard. a challenge in what you guys are doing for sure. And it's just, yeah. you're not here. And, and that's, if that's your leading question, we're not for you right. and that's okay. Right. And that's okay. But Will you get leads if you create organic relationships with people? You will get out what you put in 
100%. Right. Like Steph was saying, you will see people post and the comments are blowing up, right? Everybody is just so invested in each other's success and just that team-oriented mindset. It's like, you're going to get that. But if you come in just saying like, well, how many leads am I going to get? I, this is probably not for you. Right. Right. Go call a lead gen company. Yeah. I mean, that, and that's okay. Yeah. And get semi-warmly. Oh gosh. Right. That's, yeah. all, that's another podcast episode. <laughs> right. So but, I want to speak yeah. into this because, and if memory serves me correctly, we, all three of us were softball players. In high yes. school. Yep. That's yes. correct. I, w- I wasn't sure about Stephanie, but I... I, uh, I was reluctantly a softball player. <laughs> <laughs> if we're being I, honest. I also had a little bit of a toe in the water. Um, Haley was like a true softball player from what I remember. But what I remember about playing softball is that there was a team component, but there was a whole heck of a lot of competition mm-hmm. that was like sizzling under the surface. Oh, yeah. Um, and I think as females... There were brutal years, particularly in our early 20s, at least for me, mm-hmm. where it just felt like women were rooting against each other. Like, it didn't matter who you ran into. It didn't matter mm-hmm. if it was corporate, um, work-related or hobby-related or friend-related. Like, it just felt like, oh, I'm going to just say a pissing match. That's not usually my brand, <laughs> but that's what it felt like. A hundred percent. So We know what you mean, though. <laughs> yeah. What... What do you think, okay, one, this is going to be succinct questions, hopefully. One, do you think men deal with the same, like, underlying competition? I'm going to just shout, shout out yes. Okay. We can go. <laughs> we can go into I that. Th- I think yes also, but I think men are less emotionally invested. Mm. So I think that women struggle because we lean into our emotions by nature. Just, I know this is probably a tag also, but I would say generally speaking, most women are more emotionally inclined than men. Um, I mean, thinking about my husband specifically, I just feel like I feel things deeper, um, like take offense to things more, get upset by things more. He's like, dude, two dudes could be brawling in a parking lot outside of a bar, and the next day they're going out for drinks. Right, like that's they true story. Yeah, I've that's seen actually, that happen. Oh, yeah. my husband, I've seen it yeah. with too. I'm like, yeah. they, they moved on with their life. You guys are pissed for six months. You're telling everybody <laughs> and their mother about right. it. And I mean, not so much now because, quite frankly, we don't have time for that. Right. But I, I'd be lying if I said that we're not more emotionally charged, if you will. So it's funny because we, I think we scientifically are also more community driven. So Mm -hmm. I had a gentleman on my podcast, uh, gosh, it was almost a year and a half ago at this point. And he talked about how his name was Jared Odell. So shout out to Jared. (laughs) He talked about how men go through life kind of face forward and shoulder to shoulder. So they're more independent and they're more of a driver and they're, they're kind of lacking that connection with each other, which would stand to your point of, they're less emotionally affected by each other. So it's kind of like they're bumping elbows to get the competitive beast out. Sure. Where women, he said, are they're turned towards each other. They're, they're needing that collaboration. They're needing that community. Um, and it would, it would stand to reason that we are then more affected emotionally by the actions or the words of the people we are turning into. Mm-hmm. Um, what I love about what you guys are doing is you've found a way to allow the women in your groups to be in connection with each other and to turn into each other. And you have this like super tool, and this is metaphorical, of course, 
where you're like taking their shoulders and going like, hey, we're going to spin you forward for a season. You're going to run, right? And kind of take on those those personality traits of basically tearing out all these tags that keep us stuck in that seated position where we're just kind of talking about all the things we want to do. And then you're saying like, hey, and at the end of this, we're going to have a really cool happy hour where we come together and we turn <laughs> into real. each other. Right. I'm not being yeah. facetious. I actually really am pissed that I live in Denver because every post they make, I'm like, oh, it's like FOMO city. Bring me. Oh, yeah. Yes. I'm like, oh, I want to go so bad. You guys just had one actually a few days ago that I was like, dang it. You I just barely, barely missed I it. I did by oh, one yeah. day. Oh, I got yeah. in one day too late. But, but you've accomplished this organization mm-hmm. that people, women particularly, are craving because we need to be told we can run and bump elbows and it's going to be okay at the end of the day. And then you're also inviting that, like, that connection piece. And that's not an easy thing to do. No, you almost have to be outspoken. I think Haley would agree. You have to be outspoken with it. So even if this was a huge organization – And I'd say the same thing to any CEO. If you want it to be a particular type of culture, you have to make it so blatantly obvious what it is that you stand for so that you're the loudest voice in the room, right? Of like, this is what we stand for. This is who we are. This is what we represent. And so, you know, he heard Haley talk about community over competition. That is everywhere. I mean, it's on the branding. It's coming out of our mouths. It is represented in the way that we facilitate Uh, meetings. It's the way we facilitate things online and that private community. I mean, we're making it so blatantly obvious that we are not, we're not a cult. We're not, we're not ousting anyone, but we're also making it well known. This is how things run here. And we understand, and we expect that we're not for everyone. And that way, the people that come in, just like if you were going into a big, huge organization, you get to make that decision. Like, am I going to walk through the door am I going all in with what this company stands for? Right. No, I think she's totally right. And I think we do want to empower people. I mean, the soft and fuzzies are great, right? Right. Um, But we're also here, people are here because they want to grow. Right. They're not just here because they want to feel good. They want to grow and feel good at the same time. Right. So we're really intentional about kind of balancing our education components around you know, tactical skills, technical skills and things that they need in order to grow their business, whether it's financial planning or whether it's social media or whether it's um, commercial real estate or fill in the blank, 101 different things. But we do almost an equal amount of mindset or internal work um, because we know women are so emotional right. and in our own heads and constantly questioning what we're doing right. that we know there has to be both. And so we kind of tend to toggle back and forth. So I think you hit it on the head when you said, you know, point your shoulders forward because we're going to run. Um, it's funny because the photo that's at the header of our website right before the video loads is um, like eight or 10 of us literally in a line with arms linked. <laughs> and again, very intentional because it's like we are going forward, like hold on, we're going to run, but like we're doing it together. Right. Yeah. As soon as you trip, we've got you. Yeah. Yeah, and I picture it like Red Rover, like anyone that comes against you, you're going to yeah. like, clothesline them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like you got to go through me like, first. We got this. this we got your a, back, girl. This is an aggressive group. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> so I'm going to drop all the links for Collab Culture in the show notes, and, um, and I'll wrap this up just because I think we are out of time. Is that correct? I have no idea. 
mean, ish. Yeah. Because the truth yeah. is we could talk mm-hmm. all day. Oh, yeah. Just like when one. you get together with people that you've known your whole life and yet you know very little about them, I'm learning a ton from you guys. And I really appreciate you carving out this time for me today. Sure. I think what I want to end cap this with is there were, t- there were seasons in my life, most seasons in my life, I did have that kind of best bestie, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. you know, who could pick me up. But there have been really isolating seasons of life where I go, nobody can understand where I'm at right now and nobody really can conceptualize the dream or sometimes you've drawn someone close to you because you met when you were in fourth grade and they don't actually cheer for you they Mm -hmm. don't actually support you they might even be the person who's pulling you under with tags so if someone's listening to this and they don't have the collaboration that you guys have and they are in a situation where they're dreaming, they're listening to this, they're like, gosh, this is amazing what these these ladies have done. I want to do something. I want to build a business. I want to own a hair salon, whatever it is. And they don't have that person that can, like, you know, lift them up on the hard days or mm-hmm. turn into them in community when they're needing that that support, that emotional support, or when they're facing forward, that, that swift kick in the butt forward. Mm-hmm. What advice would you give that person who's sitting there feeling lonely in this conversation, going like, I don't have anyone to collab with? Go ahead. Well, on the one hand, I'd like to say that we do have an online community. So regardless of where you are, you know, what you have to find a community though, right? So even if you're where you are geographically located, if there's not a group of people you can surround yourself with, then, then find it online. Like you have to have a support system one way, shape, or form. But beyond that, I think we have to take responsibility for ourselves in in how to build ourselves up and understand like what really drives us, right? Like a huge part for me without going too deep on it is, you know, I have two daughters. And so it's huge for me to understand what they're up against in the years to come as where I wouldn't understand it if I had sons necessarily. Right. And so knowing that to me, I was like, I'm going to prove this not only for myself, but for my girls, I'm going to show them that their dreams are worth chasing and that they can actually, you know, you can actually find them. You can reach them. You can flourish. Yeah. Um, because of all the labels I know that are going to come their way in the years to come. So I share that because I think each of us has to be able to answer that. We have to know what we're really doing this for right? and be grounded in that because there's going to be, like you said, times in your life when you are super isolated and you're, you're really the one you have to, you have to look inward and there better be something there. Yeah. That's really powerful. I think you're totally right. And I think, um, that inner work is so huge and just identifying what it is that you really need. Right. Because we all want a cheerleader, right? It feels good. It's great. But like, do you need a cheerleader or do you need someone to light a fire? Right. Do you need a mentor? Do you need a business partner? And so I think a lot of that is just internalizing and sitting down and putting pen to paper. I know Steph and I are both pen to paper people and just write it down, right? Make a list. Like, what are those dreams? Don't be afraid to dream big dreams, but also you have to be vulnerable. And I think that's the big thing that this community has really showed me is that when you can create the right space or when you find the right space, you feel good being vulnerable and how much power it is to be able to have someone support you move through those hard times. You know, it's easy to be like, well, I don't want this person to know where I'm struggling because they do the same kind of business as me. And I don't want this and that. And so just having, um, the, 
just willingness, I guess, to put yourself out there. And you've probably been burned before and it sucks and it feels like crap, but everybody's not going to do that. Right. So it's like, you know, having the grit to like get back on the horse, let's try it again and understand what it is that you're looking for, I think will help you better um, kind of point yourself in the direction of where you can find it. That was a lot of value for the end of the podcast. Like (laughs) I could restart this right now. And I want to key into that that last point of vulnerability being such an important component because it is so hard when you've been burned and when you've you've stumbled and even sometimes if you've started a business and you've quote failed at that said business the vulnerability of doing it again right and when you say vulnerability it's that whole stepping outside your comfort zone thing like it is uncomfortable to show up to a group that you have just signed up for, like I get to, I'm like, I get to be at your (laughs) meeting tomorrow and I'm so excited, but there is a version of me that not only wouldn't have spoken in front of a group like yours, but wouldn't have even been brave enough to tie my shoes and head towards the location. Mm -hmm. And I think that is such a big component of like, how are we putting ourselves out there? But what I also love about what you said is like, get the label right of what you need. Yeah. Is it a cheerleader? Is it a fire starter? Is it a mentor? Like I've never thought of it quite like that. You almost think that that, that collaborator needs to be one thing. Yeah. Um, well, it's like a take what, what do you say? Take what you need, leave what you don't. Right. Yeah. 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 I mean, you may get more than you needed, right. but if you're very in tune with what you need, those are the things that you're going to kind of, you know, dig your teeth into and really use to kind of catapult you where you want to go. Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree 100%. I'm going to wrap this up with saying thank you. Thank you guys so much for being thank here. You. Thanks for having us. And there's a sweet little face that has popped around the corner a couple times, and she is as silent as a mouse. <laughs> so we're going to go empower her with a whole bunch of positive labels. The tiny um, human. It, truly like <laughs> the next generation through. of business owners right there. And she's just kind of checking in. Like mm-hmm. you guys both haven't seen it, but it's been this very sweet like – She's monitoring the situation, <laughs> making sure everything's still in control. They're like, um, our moms are so cool. They're always yeah, watching. They're right? always watching, guys. Always. Yep. That, that is what I wanted to point out there is, you know, Stephanie made such a great point of, of we have another generation to inspire forward. So ladies that are listening and guys that are listening, it's, it's time to tear out these tags. It's time to take action on your dreams. It's time to create the things that are going to make you feel freedom in your life and make you feel like you can talk to yourself positively more often than not. So yeah. thank you guys. This was, this was so amazing. So just, this was so awesome <laughs> for us too. I loved it. Thank you for listening to this interview with Stephanie Hendrick and Haley Westfall, co-founders of Collab Culture. If you are in the Northwest Phoenix, Arizona area, you can join all of their live calls. However, they are expanding their organization and they are offering more things virtually. So if you have questions or want more information, check them out at collabculture.co. That's collabculture.co. Or you can go on over to Instagram and shoot them a DM and their handle on Instagram is collabculture.az. I will be dropping all of their links in the show notes and know that to label these two women would be a true disservice because they are so polymathic and so multifaceted. And they offer many, many different services for all of your business needs as well. So check them out. Um, Keep up with all of the amazing things they're doing. And thanks again, Haley and Stephanie, for being on the show.